everybody. Go. We got it? Yeah. We got headphones. We got so today. Ta-da! <laughs> so we're here with Michael Collins. Michael, describe the uh, the setting we're in. This is just, I've never done this before. We're uh, in a hotel room. Uh, we got set up on the bed. <laughs> The mics are on the bed. Yeah, mics are on the bed. The setup's <laughs> on the bed. We like in the chair. This is, you know what? This is the ultimate caddy podcast right <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. Except we're in we're in a hotel that's nicer than what I would call the caddy hotel. Oh yeah. Like if we, we were in a rundown Super Eight somewhere they, in West Virginia, like yeah. If this was doing, if we did this during Greenbrier, there would be bed bugs and stuff. Do they? Is, do they typically get to the short end of the stick when it comes to lodging? Yeah. But they just choose it. No. Well, you got to pay for your own. Oh, right. Caddies are just independent contractors. Yeah. It's, so you got to pay airfare, hotel, car, food, right. all that. And when you're doing that, like, if your dude doesn't make the cut and you only got a weekly salary paycheck and not the percentage because you didn't make any percentage of anything, <laughs> like, you're not going to be staying at no, like, nice Marriott marquee. No. Because if you don't, because if your player doesn't make the cut, you get zero, zero, zero. Yeah, like there's, well, there's no, no money. Well, caddies get a weekly paycheck. Okay. So, and it's negotiable. Anywhere now, the normal out here is probably fifteen hundred to I don't know three thousand. Okay. Some guys get a, a nice weekly check, even if you miss the cut. Even if you miss the cut, you still get a paycheck. Oh, that's good. So because because airfare, hotel, rental car. So with that money, they need to get themselves there, you have feed to themselves, get, and find a bed. And and get to and from the golf course. See now, what I would be doing is I would be just like hitchhiking and sleeping, like you know, in the parking lot. Okay, that was the nineteen eighties caddies. <laughs> that was nineteen eighties caddies. Right. Hey man, your caddy's still in the bushes over there asleep. <laughs> so can you go get him? <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be wearing that same wrinkled shirt. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of caddies listening to the podcast, Michael. You like you embody so many things, just more than the caddy, but you know. You're, you're, see, what's funny is I know you from you know your work with ESPN, uh, reporting on golf and all things sports, but your handle is ESPN Caddy because... Right. Because I, I was a stand-up... Well, so my original handle was Funny Caddy. Okay. So because my career started, I, I did stand-up comedy for 20 years. Right. And got into caddying completely by accident. And then I caddied on tour... On the PGA Tour and the Web.com Tour, back in the day it was Nike and then Buy.com went through 27 different name changes. <laughs> but I caddied for like 10. Right. And then through caddying, got years. into, yeah, 10 years. After doing comedy, you got into caddying. That seems, I mean, it, it seems to make sense, actually. No, it doesn't. No. <laughs> that makes no sense. Can I just tell you, as now that I work for ESPN, how many emails I get from journalism students Really? And kids hit me on Twitter, Instagram. They'll instant message me and be like, yo, man, you got the job I always wanted. I'm a journalism student. Kind of, how did you? And I'm like, no, no. Don't don't follow this path. No. See, number one, you're better than me already. You're in college. I failed (laughs) high school English. Like, I never went to college. A journalism student? Yeah. Failed English. And that's why my first title for ESPN was Senior Golf Writer. And I was like, you got to take that off right now. Yeah. I sit in a room with guys who won Pulitzers, and I still <laughs> yeah. type with two fingers, and I can't, like, I can't, you know what I hate? Oh, my gosh. I hate sitting in the media center next to a guy who can look, read something while typing. Who's the guy? Who can do that? Can All you, of per- them. Ferguson? Every single one of them. <laughs> Every single dude in there can be, like, looking 
at another piece of paper and they can be typing right. at the same time. And just cut to Michael. He's like, how does the laptop open? No, no. Do, cut to me and I'm looking at and I'm like, three words and then I'll type them out and I'll look back and I'm like, God, dog it. Yeah. And I messed up so I got delete, delete, delete. Mother, God, stupid. Right? right? That's me. The uh, but, but that's what's cool about like today, right? Is like, you don't need that shit. No. You, you do your job with people. You, that's your medium. Yeah. It's not like words, right? I mean, because no. your journalism. And I, and I type out the way that I write when I do because I now got to write <laughs> I hate it but <laughs> I, like when I do interviews and have to do transcription and all that stuff I write the way that I speak right which there's some traditionalists that hate that I don't really understand what you mean actually like what, you, you use like slang or something yeah <laughs> when when I write something out like if I'm writing if I'm writing an article or something or a column I will write the way that I am going to talk to you. Because when I read, I always read things like narratives. Right. So I read it like someone's talking to me. Okay. I know. I guess, I don't know. I started reading before books on tape was invented or I never would even learn to read. I was yeah. like, just give me the tape. I'm all about books on tape. Right? Yeah. Now, yeah. So, I can't even read articles. I feel bad. People are like, you should see, read this. And I'm like, yeah, I have a list of 40 things to read. Really? I, I, don't, I just don't. I don't know. I what? I don't know what that I is. I love reading. Do you really? Yeah, for enjoyment. What do you I, like to read? So James Patterson, John Sanford. I like like thriller mysteries. Okay. I love those type of books and stuff. But I also like like documentary stuff. Yeah. You know, I I geek out on like golf history. Yeah. I geek out on stuff. Big like on that. that. Like, yeah. what's your favorite? I'm stressed because you got a call. What what time is it? We got time. Yeah. I, I just don't so. want it. You're. I don't want. No you... man, we're good. All right, we cool. got some time. I got. I mean, we're gonna get. You'll get to go to commercial break because I gotta yeah. do a radio interview. Right. Which is still cracks me up. I feel. I want to just record the radio interview and see where that goes. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be talking like about that. WWE. Right. That's what's gonna I'm be into funny. That. Really. So, so wait. So golf history. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I've never heard you talk about that. Actually, I don't. No, know No, because I, I don't. It. I kind of keep it on the down low. Because I like. like I just, it's not that I keep it a secret. It's just one of those things that I geek out on. So it's like I'm not knowledgeable enough myself, or I'm not confident in the knowledge that I have read and learned to start spewing it. Right. And I don't want to. I just. It's like having my own little. It's like your own little secret thing. It's like your little personal stamp collection. Something like that, yeah. What What about, can we talk about If I had a that? stamp collection, I'd be like, I'm telling you, yo, check this out. Posting bitch, a ton of photos. Stamp. Yeah. Elvis stamp. Brewster's Millions, yeah. bitch. I ain't <laughs> yeah. sending yeah. this one. Yeah. Chuck Norris stamp. <laughs> um, no, but what is Chuck Norris stamp. That'd be a good hey, one, He don't right? touch it, he'll kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The Chuck Norris stamp would definitely be like, uh, we would definitely be like, uh, you know, like, get this fucking letter there. You know, like, I don't know. Um, so, but what is it about golf history? Because I, I'm a, I'm, I, when I go play golf, and you and I talked a little bit in the yes. lobby about playing golf and how you don't get to play as much. Yes. I, I experience way more feelings on an old course. Me an too. Older so, uh, so, and that's where, that's where my golf history, like where I started geeking out, was when I really, not even got. When I started playing, I didn't appreciate it as much. But when I got into the media side and started doing media stuff and the thought then before, like I got to go to Augusta National, before I went over to the Open Championship, the thought of walking on those courses with the ghosts 
meant something to me. Like it really had an effect on me. And that might be kind of from comedy too. It's like from doing comedy, you step on some stages where you're like, yo, like Richard Pryor stood here. Robin Williams stood here. Like these guys, the legends, the greatest comedians ever, like their feet was right where my feet are. And they were looking out into the spotlight like I'm looking out into the spotlight. And for golf, it was the same way. Like, you know, Bobby Jones walked here. You know, I don't, I mean, who knows? Being from Georgia in that time frame, he probably wouldn't have wanted to play golf with me. <laughs> Why, Michael? I'm just, well, at least I would only be able to play nine. <laughs> he would play golf with the Irish half of me. That'd be about it. <laughs> You're half Irish? Yeah. Michael like, Collins. Collins, right. Black Irish, man. I get drunk and carjack uh, myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I mean, one, of my, one of my favorite one-liners is, I'm so broke, they won't even take my cash. All right, whatever. Anyway, yeah, I didn't really deliver the line. I'm not a comedian. I admire comedians because you got to be, I don't know what it is. Do you, do you have to like hate yourself or just be super brave? Because, I mean, it seems so hard to go on stage and potentially tell a bad joke. Yeah, but I see, I didn't do joke jokes. What did you do? Just, I've never seen your stand-up. Just, I talked about whatever happened in my life. You basically did a podcast, but you didn't record it. Kind of, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, it was basically I would go up there and like stuff that I had seen or done, or stuff that had happened to my friends. I would just go up and talk about it. Right. For me, you know what comedy is for me? Comedy for me is like therapy. I think I think that's probably a lot of people feel that way without knowing it. Yeah, because it's it is. If I'm having a really crappy day, and I just need to vent, I I was lucky enough to when I vent, people laugh. Right. So it makes me feel better, and then they get to laugh at me bitching. <laughs> yeah, you got to be good at bitching. That's comedy. I kind guess. of. It, I mean, it all depends. That's there, Larry David. Well, yeah, that's true. And and that's the thing about, I mean, there are some stand-up comedies it's not that way. Some comedians it's not that way for. Because right. it's all styles. Everyone has different styles of comedy the way they do it. For me, it was just like, I'm just going to go up and talk about my life. Right. That's and authentic, and I think, yeah. you know, we didn't... Easy to relate to. Yeah. I don't know when, uh, you know, it, for, I feel like for a long time, uh, media and social media went through a period of, like, deep inauthenticity, and I feel like we're kind of coming out of that. Do you notice that? Yeah, big time. Big time. Well, and it, you know, because now the word fake gets used a lot. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah. it's fake this, and it's fake that, and it's fake this, and it's fake that, where now, you know... It's easy to, if someone says, you know, that dude's a fake this, it's amazing how many people will come out of war work, be like, no, you're the fake one. Boom. You know, this dude's real or this this woman's real. Like, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite things about you is that you have always been real. And, and I know you got to go and we're going to come back in a second. What time is it? You got no man, they ain't calling stressed. You. Oh, they Why call are you. you. So stressed they out? call you. Yeah, because I don't want to. I don't want to negatively impact your life in any way. I want this podcast to be a positive experience. But when have you known me to ever be negative on anything? No, I know. I just well, I just want to I tell hate everybody. Those pants. No, so, I'm so <laughs> we. I mean, they're okay, but you know, uh, they, I got them tapered, and they're a little. Who are you telling? You talk. We. I'm sitting here in cut off scrubs, bro. You're in scrubs. Yeah. You walked down wearing scrubs and slides in the lobby, and I was just like, "What's going on? Are you okay?" Is I know. Okay? What's up? What happened you know, last night? I'm not even supposed to be staying in this hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of caddy sleeping in the bushes, we. I had somehow gotten a, a credential to the PGA Tour Media Center, and I'm walking around feeling like a giraffe in like uh, like a cat cafe, you know. <laughs> and I just felt so a unusual. Put up <laughs> yeah, like I, I was like, "Let's hang out." And <laughs> and you were one of the first people that came up to me and actually took me for real. 
and it wasn't even a big deal. You just looked me in the eye and right. were like, what's up, man? What are you doing here? And I was like, you am look, I in the wrong place? You literally, when I first saw you, I was like, that dude looks like a cool dude to hang out with. Right. Like, he looks like I felt, too. You must was have felt like, the same yo, way. You must have felt that. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know, like... And coming from doing, from being a caddy... Right. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that must have been super crazy. You almost defected. Correct. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Well, the thing was, like, so caddies... What is the, the last, media. They don't just hate the media. The media is not crazy about caddies either. <laughs> like, you will not see a lot of media guys going up to a caddy after a round and be like, so tell me how you carried yeah. the bag today. How'd it go? <laughs> how's your shoulder? You really kept that six iron clean all day. How's... <laughs> Yeah. You, how is that possible? Tell me about the second groove. What right. happened in there? Exactly. So that's, yeah, that's the thing. All right, see, now. All right, now we got the now call. Now they're calling All so right. we can go. We'll be right stop back, down. everybody. There you go. All right. All right, we're back. We're back. So so yes! that was. ta that, that was like. By the way, you just talk all day long. You don't get tired. Because that was like 25 minutes of just like, you're on. You're on. You're making jokes. They're hitting you live with like, I heard them. They're like. <laughs> What you know, like just asking me all these crazy questions. What's your bucket list? And you're like, I got da 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 da, and I'm just like, oh, these questions are hard. I mean, they're not that hard, but you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean. they are. They, I mean, they're not they're not hard though. They're just you know, people know that they can ask me questions, personal stuff, and I'm gonna answer honestly, right? You know, and that's it. And the fact, like like we were saying before, I'm not trying to be funny, right? I'm just kind of being honest, and here's how I feel, and people laugh. Right, that the the way that it comes out, that's it. What were you like as a kid? You must have been you must have been a fucker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is the best example I can tell you. When I started doing stand up comedy, I remember I did my first headlining show in Lancaster, in my hometown, and I went back to my junior high school, and there were some of the teachers were still there because I was like twenty, twenty, I was twenty. Because I start, yeah, April 91 was when I first stepped on stage, and it was just under a year later when I was doing my first headline show. So I was like 21 years old. So I go back to junior high to invite some of the teachers because I'm like, hey, it would be cool. And they had no idea what I was doing. And I remember going to the counselor, who was my counselor in junior high, and was like, hey, how's it going? She oh, my gosh, it's great to see you. What have you been doing? And I go, I'm a stand-up comedian. She just goes, oh, yeah. Like right. she wasn't surprised I at all. See that, if yeah. I, if she would have been like, "What are you doing?" I was like, oh, "I'm a surgeon." She'd have been like, oh, "I hope I never get freaking sick." <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, I'm yeah. gonna die. Because I, yeah. I was a class clown. I was a class clown. Did you get in a lot of trouble. N- yes and no, not all the time because I made the teachers laugh as much as the <laughs> students. That's that's how you know you're good at your job. Well, I was as an only child who was raised by a single mom. I was around adults a lot. Right. So I understood the difference between like kid jokes and adult jokes and so i would i loved walking that line right so i could throw lines out that i know the teacher would laugh and then couldn't get me in trouble and then the kids would laugh because the teacher laughed not because they understood necessarily the joke or whatever i was saying but then i would always do stuff for them too you were like one level above you were like no i wouldn't say no but i mean your comedy was intelligent it's always been yeah yeah Kind of, yes. Well, what it is is it's intelligence without knowing it's intelligent. Right. Well, yeah. you're you're kind of uh, can subconscious. a fart joke be smart? Well, like even <laughs> that's what I mean. Yes, that's absolutely. what I'm. Yes, that's I farted on the podcast last week and hey, I called myself out on. Can it. Can I just tell you? I don't care how old you get. Farts are funny. <laughs> They're hilarious. Whatever. And people are like, that's inappropriate. Whatever. But don't it's, act like you don't. It's fart always and laugh. appropriate. Right. In India, they just fart. There's not even a big deal. <clears throat> really? Yeah, they're just like... Fire it out. Yeah, they'll be standing next to you on the train, you know, and it's just like farting. 
That's cool. If it's but usually if it's audible, it's not doesn't smell that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's them silent but violent ones. Yeah, silent, yeah. Because those, those when when you get some yeah. curry cooking up in there yeah. and you just let the <laughs> right and you never know who it is. I no know. man, that's yeah. why like I'm I'll be the first. Everyone looks guilty. I call people out on airplanes all the time. Do, no. Yes, I do. People you don't know. Hell yeah. Did you do that? Yes. No, you. I don't. will call some that dude. Come on, whoever's crop dusting, stop it. I'll say it. <laughs> Don't crop dust the airplane, in, yo. In, we just took off. Right. We got two hours, uh, man. Apparently, when they open the door to the plane, it just smells like farts, I heard. I don't know. If, I'll never know. I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't, I don't think there is a rush to the door, though. I mean, think about it, though. You go you, you go on a 10-hour, 15-hour flight. I mean, <sighs> a third of the people have got to be farting. At some point. No one's eating healthy these days. Someone had broccoli. Yeah. So everyone, you know what the worst is for me when I get on a plane and someone, like, I get on the plane, I get in my seat, someone comes on right before they close the door and they open up, like, a fucking, like, a full entree from some place that just smells gross, you know, like, or if it smells good even. Like, they get some fried chicken and I'm like, <laughs> that's the, I got a problem. That's my yeah, problem. You know what I share? like doing? If you want to have some fun, take pork, pork rinds. <laughs> Take pork rinds on an airplane because when you first open the bag, it smells like ass. <laughs> it does. It's dude, even though like delicious pork rinds, it's, it's delicious. Oh but when you first crack the bag, right. man, the people in the row behind yeah. order like I like. I always look at the head in front. Yeah, the person the, you crack twitching. that bag open and you can see, they get the yeah, the that. shoulders go up and love they turn that. the head like oh. Also, on a plane, you can hear the crackling of a bag. It's louder than the fucking engine. It's like doing it in a movie theater. I don't know how they do that. I don't know either. You're on the road, what, two out of every three days? You're on the road all year? <laughs> no, no seriously. I mean, how long? It used it? to be, when I was doing stand-up comedy and caddying, it yeah. was like 42 weeks. Wow. 40 to 42 weeks. Wow. But now it's 20, 25. What's your road, uh, what's your biggest travel, like, uh, idiosyncrasy? You got You got something weird that you have to have or you have to do? Well, the way that everyone makes fun of the way I pack, and I travel heavy. Yeah, I'm looking at it, and I'm seeing heavy. I'm seeing a lot of packaging. Yeah, yeah but you know packaging. what though? This is the, that's a first. Normally, oh. I normally from doing from doing stand up, I travel with outfits. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the way you got to do it because yeah. you can't think on the road. Nah, and then you just I would lay. Here's the outfit I'm wearing for the Friday night show, Saturday night show. Right, and so and it was that way when I was caddying, or now just doing broadcasting is like all right. Here's the outfit for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, because you're very stylish. I, yesterday you had. I don't like consider a, myself stylish. No, you are. You are. Well, I, thanks, man. But no, you I don't, got orange. I got looking at your shoes. You got. I got some, people were going crazy over my shoes. I love these. Those shoes. are twenty dollars. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's, that's how you know you got style. You know, you can turn nothing. You can turn uh, whatever water into wine. I know? don't know if that style. <laughs> what it is is, I'm the dude that when you see him in the store and people are like, "Oh my god, that's hideous." <laughs> I'm like, word, that's why it's 20 yeah. bucks. Give it to me. And yeah. then you wear them out, and everybody's like, yo, I yeah. got a Ryder Cup hat like that. I got a Ryder Cup bucket hat that was the only hat in the, in the store that no one was buying. So I was like, well, I got to have that. Right. Because I want something that nobody else got. And people were like, hey, you're buying that ugly ass hat. And yeah. then I wore it two weeks later, and everybody's like, yo, where'd you get that Ryder that's Cup funny. hat? So you make things cool. No, 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 no. No, you do. No, no, Yeah, no. you do. No. Yeah, you do. I don't have that ability. No, you do. You When's it. the last time you were like, yo, the short, fat dude? I'm following his fashion. That dude knows what's up. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. If I had a cooking show, maybe. Right. That would maybe. be good. That's the one thing now. Cook up golf snacks. I had a whole thing. Me and Matt Barry had this because we do a podcast, Maddie and the Caddy. Yeah. I got to do a Everybody little promo for Maddie and yeah. the Caddy. So we do a podcast and we got into a whole debate on who do you trust when it comes to food stuff. Uh-huh. 
Because, like, I'm not trusting no little skinny knucklehead on TV talking about here's where you should eat. But, like, you ain't eating nowhere. No. Mister, I had a piece of celery and some lettuce. Yeah. I'm not trusting you. No, you want to I'm going to trust the fat dude. Yeah. Yeah. Batali. Give me the dude that travels with paddles. Right. Emerald. Yeah. Right. Shock his guy. ass back to life right. after dinner. I'm <laughs> right. trusting. I know he knows where good food right. is. What, uh, so uh, you, you basically, you know, we're talking about style, we're talking about golf. You, uh, what's the hardest part of your job? I mean, you know, I think a lot of got, I got a lot of questions and a lot of people were interested in how you deal with, uh, being like you cool yeah, in golf, not cool. How do you do what, what's the, how do you, how do you manage that? I don't know, man. I think the, the, the easiest way to answer that, the honest way to answer that is I've always stuck to being me. When other people sometimes would come in and be like, hey, we got this idea. We're kind of hoping you can kind of go here and do this and be that way. And I would be like, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. And then I'll just do my own thing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, great Because idea. you know what? You, you know what I know works? Me. Right. And you know what I know doesn't work? Faking. How long did it take you? And that's the that? thing. Like, if you do something that's not genuine, people don't buy it. Right. They know it. They know people nowadays, because of social media... Because of so much video stuff that's out there, if you're not authentic to who you are, and if people see you act, and that would be my other thing too. If people saw me act one way in front of the camera or around celebrities or golfers and stuff like that, and then I acted different around them, like people would be like, nah, that yeah. dude is fake. Yeah. Like, I don't like him. I don't like him because he ain't the same. Like, what's the biggest complaint? People are like, what? When they interview athletes, well, those dudes are not genuine. Really? And so the fact that, like, every, people know me and you, I'm going to treat you, like we talked about when we first met, yeah. I'm going to treat you the same that I treat whoever. Ty- I don't, Tiger what, Woods. Yeah. I mean, and I've and seen And I it. do. Like, I've I, seen I, it. I talk, me and you talk the same way as me and Tiger. Yeah. Because when it comes down to it, like, he's still just another, he's a guy. He's just a guy. He's just a dude. He's like, pretty he, good at golf. He, well, yeah, he has his job. He has the ability to do something we don't have the ability to do. Right. That doesn't make you a good person. Yeah. That doesn't make you fun to hang out with. No, but let's like, talk Just Tiger. because you can do something doesn't mean I want to have a beer with you. Right. So t- give me a reason to want to have a beer with you. You 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 must have been a little nervous the first time you met Tiger. Mm. The first time I met him or the first time I interviewed him? I was uh, nervous the first time I was interviewing anybody. Because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you probably had the thing where you're like, I don't belong here. Because I don't know when the you... The two dudes that I got, like three guys that gave me, like not panic attack, but where I had the most anxiety. And was almost like the first time that I got on stage. Which is the first time I ever did stand-up comedy is the only time I've ever thrown up before. Whoa. Yeah. Because it was like, well, uh, that's different. But let me tell you, the three guys that I had the biggest amount of butterflies was Tiger, Nicholas, and Palmer. Well, I mean, that's a good threesome. Yeah, interviewing when I interviewed those guys the first time, you know, yeah. individually. If I would have had interviewed them together, I, I mean, the, are them. these are these interviews like uh, with all of them? It's like it's like because I've seen you out there. You're a one man band. You bring the camera, you set yeah. it up, and you pull them over, yeah. and you have a mic. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Now, wh- what what on that's earth awesome is that and like? Terrifying. Because for awesome the, and the people bad at, at home, the, same time. the people at home don't know that you need to go up to the player. Yes. And you need to say, can I get two minutes or yes. five minutes? And yes. you need to convince them. Well, and the other thing is because of where our where we fall in the pecking order, at least on the and the PGA tour, I have to I get to go last. Right. So you I'm get the sloppy ninths. Kind of, yeah, something like that. But for <laughs> me, you know what? I like that. Why? Because 
then golfers understand and they know that at least they can look forward to the last thing they're going to do is going to be fun. Oh, there you go. You're like dessert. Correct. That's interesting. Correct. So no matter all the other bullcrap questions you got to put up with and all the, you know, stinky that you got to go through, like you can look over at the end and be like, all right. And then, and, and I've been lucky enough too, where like some agents and managers are like, Hey man, don't go anywhere. I want to make sure that you, and they take care of me because of that too. Right. Because like, I'm not trying to do a gotcha on somebody. Nah. And it's like, if I'm talking to you after you're around, you probably play pretty good. Yeah. You know, probably you don't got a murder case. <laughs> You know what I mean? So we're probably going to be able to chat about some fun right. stuff. It's not investigative. Yeah, yeah, nah, man. And I don't care how you hit a fade. Whatever. Right. You know? But let's talk, Tiger. So you of all the guys on tour, yep. I mean, you have close relationships, obviously, with Pat Perez. You guys have a radio yeah, show together. Uh, you guys are birds of a feather. You have hair in other places. <laughs> but uh, And he's a wonderful guy. Your hair is closer to Pat's than my hair. We, you know, the three of us together, people would be like, it'd be a great silhouette. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you silhouette. imagine? They'd be saying, one of those things just doesn't align. <laughs> um, but, like, you and, – and Pat, by the way – one of the greatest. Did you read? You must. You you know Pat's story. I mean, yes. that, his story is just so interesting. Um, now, but of you know, of all of these guys on tour, who would you say you know aside from Pat? Who you spend a lot of time with Tiger is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, we. I think because we don't. I don't grill him about golf stuff. Right. So when we're out, like during practice rounds, when I'm out walking around and stuff with them, like we talk personal stuff. Right. And that personal stuff that we talk about is not for air. Right. It's just two guys talking about our families, our kids, you know, stuff that we've been doing on the side. Like like the Ric Flair thing. Yeah. Perfect example. So after I saw him yesterday, I go up to him on the driving range, and I'm like, man. And he goes, he goes, WWE look fun. <laughs> and I was like, bro, I got something just for you, Ric Flair. And I'm like, here's this. I gave him my phone and was like, yo. Take this over here because it's just for you. Like, I don't need to watch you watching it, and nobody else needs to see this. This is just for you. And so then he watched it and played it and came back. Man, that's so cool, man. It's a legend. And I was like, I know. It was awesome. It was really cool. And then we kind of talked about, you know, sitting there, and I was telling him about Rick showing me his scars and stuff like that. And he kept calling me back. Like, I got food. And so it was like, that's the things Tiger and I talk about. Yeah. You know, we talk about. Just stupid stuff that just dudes would talk about when at, you were at the water cooler right. or on break. But so, now, like, when he's working, one of the things is funny. <coughs> a comedian friend of mine, James, we were out at Torrey Pines. And so we're watching him during the round. And, like, if he makes a birdie or something and I'm out walking with him and stuff, as he's going to the tee, I'll be like, hey, man, good roll there. Or I'll compliment whatever he did. And he'll turn and be like, yeah, man, thanks, dude. And we'll fist bump or whatever. And some people freak out. Yeah. Like, yo, he talks during the round. Like, well, why would it's five and a half hours? You think you're gonna can you how long can you hold a fist? Right. A minute, maybe two yeah. at the most? Like it's the same with trying to stay that kind of mega focused on golf. Yeah, you need a break. Every time you gotta breathe. So uh early on in the beginning of this podcast, which only started like six months ago or something like that, uh, I expressed my feelings. I had I had conflicted feelings about Tiger. And I mean, I love I love his ability. I came to golf after he had, you know, had his 2000s. Like, I came to golf in 2010. I'm going to give you some more leash on that. All right. Um, and um, I judged him 
for his personal life. And what's funny is um, someone reminded me this. You the know other what day. though? What you shouldn't feel bad about doing that because you are in the majority. You are in the majority. You got you and a whole bunch of people got suckered into the image that was portrayed on TV and in commercials as that being the real, like that's life. Oh, wow. I'm realizing I felt lied to is what you're saying. Yeah. It's, well, it's almost like. It wasn't authentic. Not that it wasn't authentic. Is that you believe, you you bought it, you got suckered by a commercial. Some brands. Yeah. Whoa. But the thing, the other thing that I tell people too is, if you really think about the commercials he did, Tiger never did any commercials that was like <laughs> buy Nike golf shirts because they're family oriented. And <laughs> no, that, none yeah. of that stuff. But in our minds, that's what we thought. Like yeah. we put him in that bubble according to the commercials that we saw and and what we wanted him to be. Right. And so, like, there was a lot of people that. They were more angry at that. And then there was a lot of people that were like, I need a reason to hate him, and I'm not going to be able to come out and go, I don't like him because he's black. <laughs> right? Is like, he black? No, I'm kidding. That's what I mean. He's, he's Cablin Asian. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one. He's Cablin Asian. Cablin Asian. Caucasian, yeah. black, Asian. As D.L. Hughley said, like, if the cops pull him over, they're not yelling, get out the car, Cablin Asian. <laughs> <laughs> I um, well, what's cool about this podcast is that it teaches me shit, you know. And so I had that opinion, and then I went and met with you know Craig T. Nelson, loves golf, uh, obviously. Yeah. And he was like, I was like, "What's up with Tiger Man? I, I'm I'm pissed." And he was like, "It's none of your fucking business what he does off the course." <laughs> he's like, "He's a great golfer, and it's up to you to either support or not." I don't understand why people think that they have the right. Like they go, well, if you make commercials and you're on TV, then I have the right to know. That'd be like, you know, well, because you're a Walmart greeter and I see you when I walk into Walmart, I have the right to know what you do at home. Like, yeah. No. Yeah. No, it's not like that. It was a cool revelation for me because I was able to finally just drop it all. And in the process of, like I said, doing this conversational uh, yeah. performance art, it was like, oh. And then literally I like, I like walked off the golf course on Sunday at the open and I was like, I gotta watch this guy win. And at the PGA, you know, and I got and and now what's really cool is we see Tiger doing autographs, own volition. I, I asked PGA Tour, He's it's not a, a man. Different guy. Different guy. And now it's almost because, like well, here's the thing. Yeah. If you were around back in the day, I wasn't. That dude did not exist. Really? No, no. Look, and I did a thing I used to I made fun of the fact of that. And I was not I was and I would wear him out because of it. What do you mean? Because I literally saw him diss two kids in the parking lot of the Arnold Palmer. Two. There was two. It wasn't like a thousand people. It was two little kids standing by his car and was like, oh, Tiger. Yeah. And they had their little hats there holding out. And he looked at him, jumped in the car, just gave him like the little head nod. And you nod. gave him shit for it? Yeah. What'd you say? You know, I was on stage. Oh, okay. Right, right. Yeah. This was before me and him even had a real relationship right. thing about it. Like, So it was like... I didn't appreciate that fact. But yeah. I also didn't understand, and this is where, and <laughs> he would be so pissed when I say this. You know who he's a lot like? Faldo. Interesting. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. 
All right, I want to talk to you about rain sunglasses, okay? Check it out. You have a face. Uh, I'm assuming you have a face. I'm assuming that on that face, you have two eyeballs. I haven't heard from a lot of blind golfers, but if you're, first of all, if you are a blind golfer, you message me right now and in the subject line, write urgent blind golfer, okay? I want to know. I want to talk to you about how you play golf because that's interesting to me and I know it exists. Now, if you're one of the other people listening to the podcast who can see through your eyes and you need to cover them because golf is primarily played in the daytime, which would mean that you should be wearing what? Yes, clothes. Yes, sunscreen, primarily sunglasses, okay? I'm into sunglasses that look cool because I'm into most things that look cool. The sunglasses that I wore by choice was rain. I reached out to them. I said, look, you guys should support the podcast. I love your glasses, okay? It's an easy thing for me to transmit. I don't like talking about stuff that I don't like. Luckily, I don't have to. So rain was like, cool, we actually will do this. And I was like, oh my God, I was so surprised. Anyway... I got the glasses online when I bought them. I didn't even have the code raingolf.com. Uh, go to raingolf. Rain, oh, fuck. Go to rain.com, R-A-E-N, and use the code raingolf, R-A-E-N-G-O-L-F, at checkout. 20% off and free shipping on your first order if it's over 100 bucks. okay? Anyway, I feel like it's just cool for me because I feel like you're going to go and buy them and you're not going to be mad at me because you're actually going to be happy with your purchase, okay? And what's cool is they have good unisex styles. They've got styles for men and women and they even have different sizes. So on the lens, if you like, if you have a fucking huge head, get the 52. If you have a tiny little head like a bird, go to 49, you know, just play around with it. I dig the Mason, which is a slick-ass pair of glasses. The, you put the Mason on, and you're all of a sudden on safari, in a crazy vehicle, literally scoping an elephant from a million miles away as you toast champagne with your new bride, and somehow you still have three kids because you're just a legend. And you're wearing silk pajamas, but primarily you have on the rain sunglasses that you found through the Eric Lang Show, and we come full circle. Okay, check it out. Rain.com, R-A-E-N.com. Use code RAINGOLF at checkout, R-A-E-N. And you will be sorted, my friends. 20% off. Please check it out. Faldo didn't have the ability to be friends with golfers while he was playing golf. I mean, that's understandable. If he was was your friend, he he thought if he was your friend, then when it came time to beat you, yeah. he might not be able to do it because he would feel guilty because he was your friend. He needs to want to destroy every part of you. He, it, I'm not your friend. I'm your like Bob Gibson, right? From back in the day for the Cardinals. I'm not your friend. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm throw you chin music. Right. And so Tiger, because he had that aura, because he was invincible, because he was intimidating, and he would he knew that, so he would play on it. Right. Then. After everything went down, first, you know, Thanksgiving happens. Then Y.E. Yang, who I, from that, me and Y.E. Yang's caddy were roommates that week no, at the have. PGA Championship. Me and A.J., yeah. And I was caddying for Kevin Stroman. We missed the cut, and A.J. didn't have a car. So I drove him to the course Saturday and Sunday and walked with him both days, Saturday and Sunday. I got pictures in the locker room with that hybrid that Y.E. hit up over the tree on yeah. 18 and stuff. And it was Y.E. Yang is golf's Buster Douglas. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. I mean, he's the only one. Correct. And what has he done since? Yeah, he's the Just only like one. Just like Buster Douglas. He, but he came from behind on a Sunday. Correct. He's the only one to beat Tiger from Tig- behind. It's the only time. Tiger's never won a major coming from behind. And he had never lost the major when he had the lead on Sunday. So gangster. Going, that's what I'm saying. It was Mike Tyson. Yeah. Mike Tyson. But then what happened after Tyson got beat? Uh, he started eating people's ears. And he started losing a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the aura was gone. Yeah. And, and Y.E. Yang now showed all those youngsters, oh, yeah. this is how you beat Tiger. Right. Stay in your bubble. Slow and steady. Start having fun. Yeah. Just ignore him and play to the crowd. Yeah. Instead of watching him going, oh, my gosh, he's Tiger. Yeah, if you if you're if you're in awe of your competitor, you're gonna you're fucked. Yeah, no chance. So we can get off Tiger in a second, but what you said was pretty interesting. Like I, I'm wondering now, watching, is that win gonna be harder, and will it be less dominant? And I mean, how? I mean, obviously, you're I don't projecting. know. If it's gonna be dominant when you say like, be. nah, it's not gonna be dominant. It's gonna be more meaningful, which yeah, is why for everybody. Th- that's exactly right. Which is why at the Open Championship and why at the PGA. I don't know anyone that was rooting against him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because even, even because then, he's a different guy now. Because underdog. now, when's, when I saw Tiger and when he was the Tiger, he wasn't acknowledging the crowd. Right. He wasn't low-fiving kids <laughs> and smiling at people, walking between greens and tees during a major. No way. The only person he was looking at was his caddy, and that was it. It was him and his caddy and the golf course. There were no people. Yeah, not even uh, his his lady was there. No, man. she she talked about it. She's like, he didn't even see me. Nah, yeah. no, nah, no. And I'd be lying too. Like, we got. I was with Daniel Chopra at the U.S. Open at Shinnecock, and you get into a zone. Yeah. And I literally could. My friends were like, "You look me right in the eyes," and I'm no, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't even see you. Yeah. And I mean, when you get locked in like that, you don't you see nothing. It's exhausting. It's it, you. Let me tell you, you sleep good at night. Yeah, yeah. Going to sleep, not a problem. Nah, not a problem. So we got a lot of good. Mentally, like that is like, oh, uh, holy I, cow, it's exhausting. I got a lot of good questions here from people. <coughs> um, please ask him what's the dumbest thing he saw a guy do during an event on the PGA Tour. What's the dumbest thing that I've seen a guy do? The dumbest thing. It's an interesting question. I just I thought it might. Uh, yeah, and yeah, you can pass. Um, dumbest thing that i've seen someone do well like i mean i don't know yeah i don't know it's, it's a tough question it's a tough well, question. i don't know it's so i've seen guys like but it's not dumb it's like they, it's not like they weren't trying well probably the dumbest thing i've seen someone do is is like quit like try not to make the cut at some point or, or something. They, they just don't try at all right like they're just there like and you I'm, can see that yeah that's nasty it is it's really nasty. That's sad. Or like when guys do like stuff. I caddy. I won't. I won't say his name, but I, I was caddying for a guy who got frustrated at an event and slammed his putter down on the edge of, and did some damage to a green, and then just walked away That's and like not... let the damage and didn't even try to fix the damage. And there were people around, so it's like, come on, man, you got you can't do that. You just can't do that. That's dumb. That's like when you act like crazy that. Crazy selfish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then afterwards, you're going to look back and you're going to feel like ass. Yeah. Because it's like, you know that that's not who you want to be or who you are. So it's, and now you can't go back and fix it now. No. 
it's too late. So you got to live with that. Have you ever broken a club intentionally or accidentally? Nah, but I've been, I've been a jerk. I've, I've been known to throw clubs yeah. when I get frustrated. Because the short game is my favorite part of the game. And oh, I've cool. always been really good around greens. So I remember one time I was playing with people I'd never played with, a couple of older guys. And I had new wedges. And they weren't like as good as my old wedges. And they weren't quite right. So I was not hitting good shots. Right. And I remember I flubbed the chip. And it was like the third one I had done. And oh. I actually, by the handle, took the club and just whoosh, whoosh, helicoptered it. <laughs> and it bounced and hit the cart and fell down. And right. one guy who I was playing with, this older guy, was like, yeah, you keep doing that. You acting like you get your clubs for free. But when it breaks, you'll see what happens. <laughs> and I was so mad and belligerent. I looked at him and I go, I do get my clubs for free. So if it breaks, I'm going to get another one. <laughs> There and sassy, and as I walked to the cart, I was thinking to myself, You're an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Then a whole later, a whole later, I couldn't, like, I couldn't hold it in. I go, Hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. That's what's great about you. I shouldn't, I'm man. And I even said, I'm an asshole, man. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, it's not me, and I shouldn't have said that, but I'm really frustrated, and so I actually do. And then they were like, wait, you get clothes for free? And then they didn't even care that I was a jerk. You get right. clothes for free? Yeah. How do you get clothes for free? Who do you? And I was like, I'm kind of friends with the guy who makes the wedges. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Me and Bob. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, Vokey's my dude. I like Vokey's. Yeah. I am very, I'll be the first one to admit that I am very loyal yeah. to the people that knew me when I was just a stand-up comedian. And like just kind of hanging out on tour, so like Scotty Cameron, yeah, um, Bob Vokey, like those couple. I'm gonna guys. bleep all those names out. Go ahead, you can do it. Bleep them out. <laughs> I'm kidding. Bleep them out. You know what's funny? The the anger thing is funny though because it's like golf is one of the few things in life that you 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 sort of I think subconsciously we come to golf in search of those moments of can we deal with that intensity? Yeah. Because I threw a club once and at the cart. And it somehow physics aligned, and it hit the cart in the perfect place for it to snap in half. And that, and at the time, I paid for clubs, so I had I immediately had a hundred and fifty dollar bill looking for a new shaft like a clown. And you know what's so funny is but that the, I want to. Here's what I want to know. Yeah. The anger that you had when that club snapped. Direct to embarrassment. And the anger goes away immediately. No, I was just like an idiot. Yes. Yeah, it was anger, then total embarrassment. Well, that's because your Shame. wallet was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. The golf guys were just laughing yeah. up in the sky. Yeah. Chuckling. Uh-huh. Another one bites the dust, folks. <laughs> <laughs> As you start pulling your hand back, the golf yeah. guys were like, yeah. here comes the yeah. bitch slap. Ready? Yeah. Someone get Roger Dunn on the phone. We got, we got a live one. Um, how did you find your... Uh, did you have any difficulty finding your voice professionally? No. Probably not, because you came to professional reporting from already having your voice as a comedian. Yeah, well, and it was wild how it happened. So the first thing I ever did was the week after I caddied the first time was um, I was caddying for Robert Gomez mm-hmm. in an event. He had just he called me up randomly and said, man, I'm not having fun on a golf course anymore. And I just want to have fun again. So will you come caddy for me at this Nike tour event in Louisiana? That's awesome. And I was like, you know what? I had a Friday and Saturday gig, and I called and canceled it. And was like, yeah, man, I'll come. And that was it. And you guys had a good time? No. 
Did he play well? Actually, here, okay. <laughs> Here's Is there the, some silver lining? <laughs> yes, big time. Yeah. Okay, so we go to Louisiana. Course is underwater, flooded. Oh. No practice round, no pro-am. They give him a cart, and they're like, you guys can drive around and look at it. And I'm thinking to myself, look at it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever caddied before? Never, for no. real. Never. No. Never in a country club. Never. I used to chase caddies. Right. My golf friends back in school we used to make fun of them. Right. And Little this punk, those make... are the kids. I know a short kid. I could beat them. I know I could whoop the golfers. Right. Because back in the day, they weren't athletes. Right. Back then. So it was like I caddied practice rounds. They called me, My nickname was the Caddy's Caddy. Because when I would book <laughs> comedy wherever the tour was going to be, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, caddies would be like, you want to carry the bag? Just to carry it, I'd be yeah, because I get to be inside the ropes. Not thinking, that's a 35-pound golf bag. We're going to walk seven miles. <laughs> I'm your little mule for the day. But I was having so much fun, so what? They're like, you want an intern? And you were like, I yeah. love it. Yeah, I don't that's even know awesome. what that means, but cool. Yeah, what is it, a caddy intern? Right. And I would say, man, what you what, what are you looking in that book for? Mm. What are you writing notes and stuff? Because they were practicing. <laughs> golf practice whatever right. like that's real right. again that's wwe golf practice no it ain't right. real so when gomez calls me and is like come caddy for me i was like yeah why not okay I'll, I'll figure it out so we get on the first tee thursday and i got the bib on and it's real it's real i ain't never done this before i don't they know announce what his name par five we got this thing and he comes over takes the driver head cover off and i'm thinking oh man and there's a bunker on the right hand side so as he's taking the head cover off i go yo Whatever you don't hit it in the sand. You track. did not, because I can't rake like a pro. Cool. Uh, don't <laughs> oh, hit it. So you me. gave him a joke. No. Oh, you were being real. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were trying to loosen him up. Don't hit it in a bunker because I don't know how to rake. <laughs> Literally, like a pro, and I'll never forget the look on his face. And I was like, why does he look confused? <laughs> he looks like I just said something wrong. <clears throat> and of course, you know where he hits it. No. Straight in the middle of the bunker. And he no. comes and he's pissed. He comes over, slams the club in the bag. Why are you and talking I'm, about the bunker? And I go, I just told you not to hit in the bunker, man. <laughs> and he goes, You can't say that. That's the only place I'm thinking. And I was like, now you tell me what to say? And what not to say? <laughs> and so it's great. We get down there, and now because it's rain, there's the sand, it's all padded down. It's plugged. No, it's sitting perfect. Oh, okay. And it's hard pan sand. Oh, okay. So we get down there and I'm like, so what are you gonna do, man? What's the plan? And he goes, <laughs> he goes, I'm gonna hit a three wood in the front green side bunker and get up and down for birdie. It's a par five. <laughs> and I go, fool, I just told you I can't rake. <laughs> now you're gonna hit it in two bunkers on the first hole? I was like, and I go, I go to him, I go, if you hit it in that front bunker, I'm gonna go get INS and get your Mexican ass deported. <laughs> <laughs> and he like gave me this smirk and gets down there and calls his shot, hits the three wood, perfect, right in the front greenside bunker, and he's posing. And when it goes in, he looks and gives me this like shit ass grin on his face. And I was like, I put the bag down and I was like, security, we got a Mexican who's not supposed to be in the car. And he was like, get your black. I mean, it was just, it was a scream. Right, right. So, off. And then as we're has that exchange, I realize, oh shoot, there's two other golfers and caddies who are also playing in this group with us, playing the tournament. And I look over at them, and the look on their face of confusion, like wh- what kind of caddy player relationship? What the hell? Because <laughs> you guys are just laughing. Yeah, we're cutting yeah. it up, having a good time. Like you're thinking it's a Wednesday. You're like, this That's is a great treat- pro yes. guys. Yeah. Where's the celebrity at? Like, I don't understand why everybody's so stressed out. Yeah. Like, why, yeah. why, why, Who wants can, drinks? If you're going to act one way on Tuesday, why don't you act the same way on Thursday? Whoa. 
That's crazy. And I did that. I will tell you this. That is the reason one of my greatest caddy moments, one of the moments I'm most proud of was getting Omar Uresti through Q School. Wow. On the West Coast. And I had never been to Q School before. That's more stressful than a PGA Tour event. It, it is. Back in the day, it was to go to the PGA Tour. So it was six rounds. And Omar, before we get started, tells me, hey, I've never made it through Q School from the West Coast. Cool. Great swing thought. That's good, a good talk. Thought. Yeah. Good talk. Let's awesome. say that over and Stay over again. Positive. Yeah. Yeah. So I told him straight up. I was like, "We're getting through this time because I ain't never been there and I ain't letting you fail. We're going." Whoa. And he goes, "Oh, cool. Okay." And we was like, "Okay." You believed for him. Yeah. And so, sixth round, we're on the sixteenth hole of par so five. For those people that don't know what Q School is, it used to be the way you got it on the used PGA to be, Tour. That was the only. That was one of. The only ways to get to the PGA there was like three tour. or four. A lot of them were had yes. to do with money and stats. Correct, correct. Q school was like anyone could basically qualify. So and it get was in. three stages. Yeah, anyone with a plus a handicap of one or better. Yeah, could qualify to go through. There were three stages: first stage, second stage, third, final stage. Right. And if you could put your money at five thousand yeah. dollars, try and get on a PGA tour. It was the ultimate Cinderella. If you're good enough, you can play. So gangster. And here's your shot. And so if you didn't make enough money the year before, then you got you started at final stage. Okay. And here's your chance. And if you you make it to the PGA tour or you would have playing privileges on what's now the web.com tour. Right. But the difference is if you make it to the PGA tour, you're gonna play one year for over a hundred million dollars. Yeah. As opposed to playing for a total of five million dollars, yeah. two million dollars. Like the caddy on the PGA Tour who finishes in first place makes more than the winner of the Wed.com Tour. I would totally believe that. So That's crazy. getting him through Q School meant good he job, was good. Good job, Austin. Yeah, he was good job, a Michael. crazy job. Yeah. So so how many, you got, you got final stage, it's what, 150 and, and uh, 30 are getting picked? Yeah, it was uh, 50 at the time. 50, because, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. That's pretty good odds. Yeah. Okay, so you guys... Is there more to the story? Yeah, so we get to the the, um, the final day, and he starts out playing terrible. Like, he was trying to throw it away. You know, like he didn't believe. And then at one hole, I slammed the bag down and looked at him and called him an effing Mexi melt and was like, this ain't happening. But let's, let's do what we're going to do. It's just me and you playing golf and nothing else. Nothing else matters. It's what we do. We're going to play like it's a practice round. And when we got to the 16th hole, we were on the number. So if he makes a bogey, we're not going to the tour. And and he's got an eight-footer for par uphill on this par five. And he's bending down trying to read it. And he looks back at me and he goes, I don't see it. Which meant he didn't see the break. Yeah. So I stepped in and I saw the break. So I was like, you got to roll it right over this spot right here. It goes a little bit right. It's a little bit uphill. And he goes, okay. And I'll never forget when he stepped in to hit the putt. It was the only time I felt like I was going to throw up because I I felt the weight of his career. I'm nervous right now. Yeah. And the story happened already. Yeah. And so he hits the putt and it drops dead center. And he turns and looks at me. And like I I can't show him the emotion that I feel. He can't see it. Right. He has to look at me and see from me like, it's not a big come on man it's just me and you it's a three and that's big what deal. i yeah it's it was it was a par five so we made a five okay so it was a par putt yeah par putt oh. it was the safe par to stay on the number stay inside the cut line so he makes that par putt and he looks over at me and i was like see man come on man this is nothing let's do what we do 
And and when he and I saw his reaction when he saw me and he was like, "Okay, okay." Yeah. And then I let him walk in front of me because I was I was literally having a tough time breathing because I thought I was going to throw up because I'm feeling I have to take this now. Like this is he's got to hit the shots, but I got to he's the horse and I'm the jockey and yeah. we're on the rail. And it's like if I if we make a wrong move, I'm getting thrown, he's going down. And I can't I can't let that happen. So the next hole is a par three. It was 170 yards, and it's an elevated well, team course. to an island green. It was a TPC out west where okay. they played Bob Hope. Right, right. So imagine the island green to sawgrass and back it up 40 yards. Yeah. And elevate this it. Is, uh, this is uh, the uh, stadium course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The that's PGA a, that's West. a tough course. PGA West. You miss, and the ball's fucking rifled off the rocks, Correct. right? Correct. Yeah. And so... And there was a two group wait. Oh yeah, yeah. Six so now we're, we're on the we're on the number and we're sitting there waiting. Uh, and I could see him. And so now we, I just start talking. To, we start talking movies because that was our thing. So we started did, talking did about. Did Tin Cup come up, Cheech? No, nah, man. <laughs> nah, nah. We and I was keeping it light, so it was like, hey, let's do top ten comedies of all time. Right. So we start doing that, and then and then it was our turn to hit. And he was like, "What do you like here?" And I was like, "This is your favorite shot in the whole world." Eight iron. Because no. he liked the little cut. It was seven iron. Seven. So I was like, hit it's your favorite shot and play your favorite shot at this target. And he goes, cool. And he hits it, goes right over top of the flag stick to 12 feet. And then we make the birdie putt. So we're yes. one inside the number. And get to 18, hits the drive down the right side. We get a free drop because it was in a sprinkler head. Yes. So it sits up perfect. He hits hybrid to the front edge. He's got 65 feet, lags it up to three feet and looks at me and goes, what's the number? No. Yeah, and I looked at him and I go, "Knock it in the effing hole and let's get the f out of yeah, here." Center cup. And he yeah. goes, he just goes, "Okay," <laughs> and he does. He knocks it in. He comes over and he hugs me and he goes, "Thanks, man." Finished. When he birdie. whispered that in my ear, I started crying right there. I was yeah. bawling my eyes out. What did he whisper in your ear? Thank you. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Crazy. I mean, that's. I still get emotional. It's giving me feelings. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy that golf gives you feelings, you know, and I think that's mm. what we look for. You know, I we, you know, Michael, you and I had um, in, in in one of the other places where I feel like a fish out of water was at Augusta, and I saw you there every morning. We had breakfast a couple times yeah. together, and I remember we, you and I, you talked, you believed in me in the lottery. You talked me through it, you yeah, because you had done it. Yeah, it was. It's you won the lottery. You played yeah. Augusta it's, twice, right? No, just just once. once. Okay. Yeah, once, and I, it was the year, two years when Sergio won. Yeah, and then that Monday was perfect. That Monday, <laughs> everything you drink, we snuck up like. I hope I don't get in trouble for telling this story. Uh, what we snuck, I snuck up to the crow's nest. Me and another guy. Yeah. So the attendant, you get a locker in the champions locker room. Sergio had one. We got Sevy's locker. I got Sevy's locker. The other guy, he was in someone else's locker. But, um, and then he comes over to me and was like, "Hey, man." This door over here, I bet you goes to the crow's nest. Let's go over there and we'll sneak to the crow's nest. And the attendant that was sitting in there, this, this old brother, he goes, boys, that is not the way to the crow's nest. <laughs> You're not going up in the crow's nest. You're not allowed up there, gentlemen. For people that don't know, the crow's nest is? It's I... where the amateurs stay for the week. Yeah. And it has been there forever. And Nicholas stayed there when he was an amateur. And there's a, a actually a signed picture from Bobby Jones. Um to Nicholas hanging up the, in the crow's nest. And it's only certain people can stay up there. It's not, it's off limits to a lot of people. Yeah. As is the champion's locker room. You know, but when you win the lottery now, you get to have a locker there. I took so, the longest shower of my life in there. 
<laughs> it was like a four-day shower. Yeah, man. I just wanted to be able to dry off with one of them towels and be like the Augusta towel was on my ass. Yeah. It was the greatest thing it's ever. It's a very good feeling. Yeah, this would never happen 40 years ago. No. Let me tell you what. So the, the guy who's working there goes, look, you're not going up in the crow's nest. And because you're not going up in the crow's nest, I'm not going to tell you that the door is over behind those lockers that you can't see over here. Right. And I'm not going to tell you that once you go through that door, there's going to be another door immediately to your right. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you if you open that door, you're going to quietly go upstairs. Right. Because that's and, not where the crow's nest dude, is. We were like two little kids at an overnight party. Doing, it, it was great. It was awesome. It's, it's amazing that Augusta has that feeling. And, and really, all you're interacting with is the history. Correct. And that's you were talking about that earlier. And yeah. that's, it's such a valuable part of golf. Yeah. And that's, I tell people the two bucket list tournaments you have to go to. You have to go to the Masters, no matter what, even if you pay 1200 for a ticket, go. It's worth it. And you got to go to the Waste Management. You got to go to Phoenix. Whoa. Because they're the opposite. That's interesting. So I figured you were going to say the Open. No, man. No, Waste Management. Interesting. Go to yeah, the open. You don't have to go to the open. You have to go to St Andrews, but yeah. you don't have to go when it opens there. You just want to go to St Andrews to kind of see it and feel it. Right. You can feel St Andrews when the tournament's not there. Yeah. You can't you... feel the other. And so Augusta during the Masters is like going to church if you combine Christmas Eve and Easter Sunday. Wow. That's what it feels like. The waste management. Is like going to the Hangover, Animal House, and Bachelor Party. <laughs> it's the complete opposite. Yeah. But that's that tells you, in a nutshell, those two tournaments and everything in between is golf. Yeah, they deal with the ecosystem, the the, the polarity. Everything in between those two polars are. Yeah, that's exactly right. Those like two that. poles, everything in between is golf. Uh, have you played in the pro am at the Waste Management? No, you I have to. I know. I still haven't. Had, I've caddied it a lot. Right. You know, George Lopez and I, it's one of my favorite moments. He's when we got to the sixteenth, he had two Mexican wrestling masks in the bag. <laughs> and when we got to the green, we put them on and we put on a little wrestling show. Oh my god. On the green. And it was and the crowd went ballistic. Oh, they love that show. Ballistic. It was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, here we got uh speaking of pro ams, let's talk Don Cheadle. Yeah, I don't know the story actually. Really, I don't know the story. I got, I got a bunch. Of, I got a bunch of people that wanted to hear the story. Okay, and I'm excited because I've never heard it. <clears throat> okay, so what I need to do is I need to put I need to put what I did on Instagram into a story because I I didn't know how to do that. Right, because I'm like I'm Instagram incompetent. That's not that's not entirely true. What, I mean, what? I put a lot of stuff on Instagram, but I didn't understand how you could do a story mode. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't understand how that worked. Yeah. So anyway, I basically did we made a movie on Instagram. Yeah. So the backstory was we were at dinner um on Saturday night. Myself, there was a, a dinner, but myself, Don and Oliver were sitting at the same table. The three of us were just sitting around talking cuz I mean, friends and so oliver was like man missed the cut and i was like yeah me too and then so we started talking about the caddy player relationship on tour and i was like man it would be and oliver goes hey man I sh i'll caddy for you tomorrow and i threw out there because don and i had jokingly years ago come up with a character called crack caddy 
Okay. And we would make all these funny jokes about if your caddy was a crack addict, you know, and like what crack caddy would say in certain situations. You know, you get the yardage and do, what's up? You'd be like, hey, man, give it a seven hour. Fool, man, you ain't got no seven hour, fool. Oh, I sold that shit. My bad. So we got, we got, what you got? You got like four and a wedge, which. So. We joking said crackhead, and I was like, "Hey, you know what would be really funny if you guys did like Bubba and Ted Scott? Oh my god! And how people perceive their relationship to be because the relationship is not like people. They're think like it best is. friends. Yes. Yeah, it's weird. People, we people hate on it, but they're me, best friends. Bubba, and Ted all on separate games. So me and Teddy will sit around and yeah. we'll make fun of the fact of what people put on Twitter. Right. And me and Bubba do the same thing, like laugh at the fact that they think their relationship is like this real tense. Yeah. So I said to Don and Oliver, man, we should do a play on that. And they were like, yes. Oh, that's pretty good. Let's do it. And I go, okay, but here's what we got to do. We're like, let's set it up the night before. Okay. You know? So hold on. This is my producer. All right, we got a phone call coming in. Hold on. It's just my producer. Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. No, no, Jim Johnson is a producer for ESPN. All right, we're going to just take a quick break. Do it. All right, we're back. Cool. So you, you need to go set soon up TV? Because no. we've been going on for a while, but no, I think man, people no, like the long ones, especially no, with guys like I No, like I said, my, 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 uh, one of my buddies is on his way here now, so okay. I'm waiting for him anyway. Okay, cool. So, um, so you set it up the night before. So here's, here's what we did, though, at dinner. I was like, look, we got to set this up right. So I go, what we're going to do is I'm going to kind of, I'm going to get to be paparazzi okay. for a night and day, and I want to catch you guys. When we get back to the hotel at the bar, and you guys kind of be talking and then get heated, get fun. oh, start getting heated like you're getting into an argument, oh right? God, this is good. So and no, of course it's only the three of us sitting at the table, right? Come up with this idea, like, yeah, let's do this. Okay, cool. So we get to the bar, and the, the deal was when we get there, I'm gonna walk in by myself. I'm gonna go over by the bar. You guys go over here, and then I'm gonna kind of have my phone up like I'm doing a text message. And when I touch my hat, then go. That so it's Don recording. Cheadle and who's Oliver the other Hudson? Oliver Hudson. Okay, yeah, I don't Oliver know who that Hudson. is. I don't know why. I don't know who Google that is. Google him, sorry. man. You'll you'll know him when you see him. Okay, actor, actor, celebrity. Okay, really good actor. Okay. Yeah, really. I'm sure and a I really know his great face. dude. Yeah, yeah. You've seen him. I'm gonna Google him. Okay, yeah, you've going. seen him. So so Cheadle. So, <coughs> so Oliver's caddying for Cheadle. Yes. Okay. Oliver's Cheadle made the cut. Oliver's gonna caddy now for Don Cheadle. Okay. On Sunday, final round. So we get to the bar. The handsome dude. Really good. Jesus looking Christ. Guy. Exactly. I know. I can't stand next to him. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> what is he, six? If six? I stood in between the two of them, we look like the word LOL. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Rules of engagement and Nashville and, uh, right, cool. Scream Queens. Got yeah. It. All right. So we get there and I'm over by the bar, order a beer. I see the two of them come in, get my phone ready, hold it up, hit record, touch my hat. Now and no one else knows this is happening, and the bar's packed. So I'm from a distance filming them, and you can see them kind of start talking, and they're kind of, and then it starts getting heated, and you can see people around them kind of like, "Yo, what's the deal?" One dude who's in front of me and doesn't see me, he jumps up from his chair and start like he's gonna break it up. Whoa! And as he's walking, another actor comes around, and kind of walks, "Hey, what's up, fellas?" And then they kind of back off, and this guy goes to the side, and they're. Both of them have a security guy each, and the security guys don't know what we're doing. So they're kind of mulling around, like, what's the deal here? And so then, they, and I stop recording, and, and I'm like, this is awesome. Right. So then we're like, so then we get together, we have a little huddle. Right. All right, what's the next scene? 
And I was like, okay, now you guys got to have like a come back together and like, let's, you know what, we're going to do this and everything's going to be okay. So I see that there's a landing by the staircase and I'm like, you guys go to the staircase, I'll go to the landing. So I'm up on the landing. No one sees me go up there. So I'm, it's like, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to bed. But now I'm at the landing and now they're standing there by the stairs. Right. Kind of hanging out by the stairs and I'm filming them where no one can see me. So as I'm filming them where no one can see me, like they're making up, we're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And their security guys come by and then they walk down. So now I put up on Instagram, Oliver Hudson, Caddy and for Don Cheadle, but it seems like this might not be a, a perfect match because they're already, get, they've gotten to a fight at the bar, <laughs> right? So then I was like, hey, I was going to bed, wanted to let everybody know. It looks like Cheeto and Oliver have kind of patched things up and everything's cool now. Right. And I show that one, right? Cheeto hits me on Instagram as a direct message, private message, and goes, dude, what's the deal? Why are you posting stuff trying to create drama between me and Oliver? <laughs> I'm trying to win this thing. Like, it ain't, it ain't, there's no beef. But he wasn't, he was kidding. He sent that to me so I could screen grab it yes. and put that up. So I put that up on, I screen grabbed what he wrote, right. put that on Instagram and was like, I'm not trying to mess up a friendship. I'm just going to be out tomorrow supporting my boys, hoping everything is wonderful. So that's the third one I put up. Now, when I put that one up, George Lopez sends me a text message and is like, what's up with our boy Cheeto? Why is he acting like that? <laughs> Right, because Gilo's so not that guy. Not at all. Right, but but you got Gilo hooked in. Right. He, so I know this is might be this might be working. This is going. So I actually copy his text messages and send it because now me, Cheeto, and Oliver are on a group text. Yeah, yeah. So I send it to them and I'm like, "Yo, George bought it. We're good. We're good to go." And then Cheeto's like, "Hey, man, we all just, we gotta let George off the hook." Yeah, because yeah. I don't want him thinking. And then Cheeto jokingly goes. How come he didn't just text me and ask me? Like, <laughs> yeah. bro, what's wrong with you? And I was like, because George, it's golf. Yeah. And you, George. You play. And, and the funny thing with golf is that's like, George loves the game so much and yeah. is so, the game is, is his heart. Yeah. And it, it's one of the reasons he and I are like kindred spirits. He's like my big brother. Yeah. I love that dude probably more than anybody else. He's a deep dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he is literally my big brother. Yeah. So. The fact that he was buying into what was going on, I was like, we might really be onto something. Right. Which was pretty cool. So the next day, what was great was on the first tee, again, I'm in a place where not a lot of people can see me. So I'm just like a, a paparazzi. Right. Well, there was another pro golfer there named Kyle Thompson who saw what happened on the first tee. And on the first tee, you could see there was tension between them. Now, the one thing I will say is, and this was a beautiful thing, and thank you to the players. They went to both of their both of the players in the group and said, "Look, we're doing this thing, but if you're not okay with it, we're not going to do it." Because that was the thing. Again, because we love and respect the game so much, the last thing we're going to do during a real tournament. This is it AT and T? This was BMW. BMW. Okay. Yeah, the Web.com tour is BMW. Yeah, in like Virginia or somewhere, is it? Greenville, South Carolina. God. So we don't want to do anything to one disrespect the game and two take players who are actually playing for their livelihood yeah. out of their game they need a number the beautiful thing was both of these guys thought it was hilarious and like yeah no do it yeah this is going to be good so Kyle Thompson who's there watching sees the tension going on he takes a picture 
posts it on Twitter and is like, hey, something's going on between Oliver Hudson and Cheadle. Now, meantime, he doesn't know I'm there. No. On Instagram, as I told those first three parts, people are like, man, it's fake. That's not real. You're full of it. We don't, you ain't, this is not. So now I grab Kyle's Twitter. There you go. Put that on Instagram and go, see, it's not just me who sees this. For all of you who think I'm making it up. Oh my God. This guy just saw it. And now you think I'm faking? And everyone was like, oh, oh. snap. So literally there is like a whole storyline. But when we get to the 10th T is when stuff gets really intense. So... They're kind of arguing, going back and forth throughout the day on the course and stuff. So when we get to the 10th hole, like you can tell they've had enough of one another. So Cheeto lines up to hit his driver off the tee and Oliver backs him off his tee shot <laughs> and tells him his alignment's wrong and like stands and like he's trying to help him align. Oh, right geez. Now Cheeto and Cheeto. Cheeto can play. And he's trying to play for real. Yeah. So... And when he does this, he has a good swing and blocks it dead right. And he's not trying to. So this is works perfectly for the story thing, too. So now he turns back, and those two, like, have a whole stare down. And people's like, this is about to go down. Right. And I put that, literally, that video on Instagram got, like, 75,000 views. Jesus. Yeah. And, like, now people from the tournament are starting to come around yeah. going, yo, something's going down. Yeah. So, I mean, it was awesome. And then... <clears throat> Finally, on one of the holes, I'm like behind a tree doing the real paparazzi thing, you know, and Cheeto comes over to confront me. And the way that it looks, it looks like I catch him coming over. So I put my phone down real quick and I thought I turned it off and I'm doing thought like for the movie. Right, right. I thought I'd stop recording, but it really was still recording. Yeah. So Cheeto confronts me. Yo, why are you putting all this stuff on Instagram? What you trying to do, man? You trying to create drama between there's nothing, man. What you? And I was like, no, no, man, it's not like that. It's like he goes, you're recording right now. Oh shit! And I start pulling the phone up, and you can see it's recording. I go, no, 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 it's not like. And as I'm saying, no, 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 I hit stop. And now me and him just start laughing. He goes, dude, yeah. that was so pretty. He goes, you're good. That was yeah. great. So I put that out on Instagram. This is like Blair Witch of golf. My wife sends me a text message no. and goes, WTF are you doing with this Cheeto stuff? Stop it. And You're going to get in trouble. She goes, not cool, Michael. Not cool. Amazing. Yes. So now I show them and the three of us are howling. And the other thing I will say, this is what makes guys like Cheeto and Oliver such great people as well, is when we started doing this whole thing, Throughout, all they kept saying was, make sure you don't get in trouble. Right. Make sure you don't get in trouble with ESPN. Because they're like, look, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. We're going to get roles. Yeah. Because we're actors. This is like our day off. It's what we do for fun, and we can play and make fun. Like, if you lose your job, you know, and they're like, you're too important. We don't want you to get in trouble. Yeah. That's nice. Which, ironically enough, one of the big, big bosses at ESPN was watching it play out, and he goes... He was two Instagram posts away from sending me a message too to say call me, Whoa. which meant it. That's a big deal. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, when the whole paparazzi thing goes down, I get that text message. I was like, "Yo, everybody's all in." 
That's great. It, everybody's all in. That and stuff's then, important. Long story short, at the very end, because you'll go back if you can go back and I'm gonna watch it. You gotta go. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't go through the feed enough, but no, I gotta, I gotta I'll check. This I'll out. show. I'll take you I'm through. Check it. it out. I'll take you through it because you'll laugh. Because there's one part of it where <laughs> Cheeto hits a bad wedge shot, and then won't let. Oliver take the wedge from him and he snatches it away from Oliver and Oliver grabs the putter cover and whips it at at Don's back and it hits and we're in the woods so you hear thuk, thuk, throughout and Cheeto has to turn he know Cheeto knows where I'm at so he has to turn away from me cuz he didn't know it was coming right so when it hits him not it, his knees buckle and he's laughing so he ha- but he has to look the other way cuz he doesn't want everybody to see him laughing right right but Oliver stays in character the whole time. Right. And then at the end, as they're finished, I do an interview. I do a fake interview. I do fake. I do an interview with the two of them. And you can see at the end, they're like, yeah, just kind of whatever. And Oliver is like, whatever. It's a charity event. We're here for charity. And like, he's so belligerent and mad about it and stuff. And as he's walking off, Part of the letters on of it spelled Cheeto on his bib started peeling off, and Cheeto's like, "Yeah, look, there's my caddy right there. See that?" <laughs> and the letters of Cheeto are peeling off, right. and they're so like. And then we did two. We went up and had lunch, and people were coming over. The three of us are sitting there eating together, laughing, and people are coming over. Hey, everything cool? Yeah. They had bought in and yeah. didn't even process that we were sitting together at lunch, laughing. Right. So we put a couple of end videos out saying, thank you, everybody, for playing along. I love it. You know, it was a lot of fun, and it was cool. And then we kind of did a fake apology. Sorry, not right. sorry. No, that's because good, on the video, on the video where Oliver backs Cheeto off, I was like, that's a catty no-no. Like, some, Big no-no. It was some, I think it was, we put hashtag sometimes helping, trying to help can hurt. <laughs> that was the hashtag. Hashtag trying to help can hurt. Right. But we at the end said sometimes helping hurts. Yeah, it's that's yeah that's not it's uncommon. Correct. Non-protocol. It was like a caddy no no. Um, all right, got another question here. Come on. Uh, are you the tiger tracker? This I don't understand why people keep asking that question. <laughs> so if you if you're smart, <laughs> I'm sorry to have to say that, but if you're smart, the Twitter account is GC Tiger Tractor. Right. What does GC stand for? Yeah, golf Channel. Correct. Who do I work for? Not Golf Channel. ESPN. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that Golf Channel, who's owned by Comcast, NBC, right. ESPN, who's owned by Disney, ABC, probably not going to let me double dip. No. Probably not. Yeah. I'm not saying. Do you, so you don't know who it is either. I didn't say that. Oh, you do. I didn't say I didn't know who it was. I just think it's you funny think, that people think that I'm Tiger Tracker. Especially, I don't go to all the tournaments but Tiger if you goes were, to. But if you were smart, you would top a GC in there and no one would think it's you. Just saying. Yeah, but I'm also, Tiger Tracker goes to Tiger events that I'm not at. Right, okay. So it couldn't be me. Right. And if you're Golf Channel Tiger Tracker... Like, I'm not, and I'll be honest, I wouldn't be smart enough to put a GC Tiger Tracker. And the other thing was, <laughs> if I was, why would I do a GC Tiger Tracker? If I work for ESPN, why wouldn't it be da 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 Tiger Tracker? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, if I was going to do, if I was going to be Tiger Tracker, I would pr- be pretty sure that ESPN would want that exclusively in their feed. Yeah. Um, so no, I'm not there, Tiger Tracker. Is there an origin story to the beard? 
Because you didn't your your press yes. photo is uh, you have like a more no beard no beard it's like a mustache. Yes, the beard is a tribute to my stepdad who uh, passed away October first, uh, two thousand seventeen, of small cell lung cancer. And so him and my mom were together for eighteen years. So he was a big part of my life and a big influence on kind of how I am. Uh, even though, like we didn't, our relationship didn't start until I was older, you know. But um, he's somebody that I really loved and respected a lot, and he always had a beard. So um, at his um, wake, I guess you would call it. Um, I hadn't shaved for a while, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna grow a beard for him. So that's where the that's the origin of the beard is a tribute to Jack Cannon. Yeah, my stepdad. Man, well. Yeah, and I was peace. gonna keep it for a year. My goal was like from October. I was gonna keep it to October first, and then shave it off. Now I have been told I'm not allowed to shave it off. It because, looks good. Well, and people know me for it. Now. It's got some swag, man. Yeah. So yeah. Which also means now I can't commit crimes. Uh, you're very recognizable. Pro- that's a problem, yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, you could wear a top hat, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> if I wore a top hat, somebody like, he must have murdered the Monopoly dude. Yeah. Stole his hat. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, let's flip through some questions here. Um, uh do you miss being, does Michael miss being a player's bet and the, ex- what? And and the excitement from caddying with the PGA Pro. Also, do many pros and or caddies use being on baby? a player's bag? Oh yeah, it must be player's yeah. bag. Do you miss being on a player's bag? And also, do caddies and pros use baby powder for chafing? Baby powder, no. Gold bond. Nah, you don't want to use. I mean, you can if it's under eighty-five. Once it gets over eighty-five, powder turns to clump. Nasty. Oh, Nasty. Then you, yeah, then you caddy gotta, ass is real. Then you're going to the doctor. Correct. So what you got to use, you got to use a paste or an ointment. Nice. So Boudreaux's butt paste <laughs> or like A and D ointment. And then it's just gliding all day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because trust me, like you can tell, watch, if, next year when we're in Memphis in August for WGC, yeah. watch how many caddies look like cowboys. They just walking bow legged boy and slow. You just, yeah, oh. it's just all wet. Like, at what point See, do you just wear a bathing suit? It's not that it's wet. It is so raw. Yeah, and it just any step hurts. Yeah, and you can't free ball it either because no. that's what you want to do. You want to go into Porta John and just take your drawers off. But that's worse. Yes, that's worse. Yes. Uh, okay, and yeah. so do you miss being on the bag. Yeah, yeah. Parts of it. Yeah, I miss. You know what I miss? I miss being in the battle. I miss grinding to make cuts. I miss I miss having a chance to win. Yeah. I miss that feeling of getting into that zone where every number is a perfect club, where I see every single read and know exactly what every single putt's going to do. And I know I miss being with someone to know exactly what to say to them when they're not feeling their best, that I can bring their best out, or... When they're getting too high, to dial them back just a little bit. Yeah. So it sounds fun. I, the story you described about Q School sounds fucking addictive. It it was. It was the it was emotional and crazy. Yeah, it was. Like I said, like, but you know what? Like that, I don't miss that. Cause that was, 
as as great as that emotion was, it was also heartbreaking at the same time. And that yeah. that kind of crash is that's the good version of the story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When things aren't going well, I don't miss missing cuts. You know, yeah. I don't miss I don't miss the job insecurity. Right. Oh yeah, totally. I yeah. don't miss that. You're good now, and yeah. now you have freedom to kind of go where your story is. Yeah, that's the thing. It's more creative. Although I will say, man, this job, the ESPN gig, is it's a lot different. Yeah. I understand now why writers are <laughs> as bitter as they are sometimes. Yeah. It's because as a caddy or as a pro, here's my schedule. I get up, show up at the golf course at this time, do my stretching, do what I got to do, working out, blah, 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 whatever, eat. I go to the course, do what I do on the course, maybe have a cool-down session, and I'm done. Yeah. As a member of the media... <sighs> Worry about one guy. What? No, there's 150 dudes in this field. Yeah. If Tiger's not playing, who's going to be in first place? Like, if you don't go to the golf course at 9 o'clock in the morning and the dude who's out there shoots 61 and you ain't see it, hey, how'd he do it? I don't know. Yeah. I was in bed. See, what had happened was. I was. And then you go out there and the best score is 74. (laughs) And you're like, I woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning for this bull. Like, And then you got to stay until what if the last guy on the course is the guy who's shooting the the fifty? Yeah, right. Like yeah. so, you're there. You're always on call. You you're just a fireman looking. What happens? Yeah, and what happens when there's no fire? Uh, you bring matches. No, yeah, that's that, exactly that's what I'm saying. Like now yeah. it's get creative. You know, yeah, you got to be really creative. So it's it's real easy to get real bitter when you're like, oh, I'm sick and tired of this. And then you got everyone in the public bitching at you. About, like, why do you only write about this guy? Why do you only write about that guy? And you're like, well, because when I wrote about so-and-so, not only did you not comment, you didn't read it. Right. You didn't read when I write about this dude. Right. And how come you're, like, you don't write notes bitching when I write about Justin Thomas? (laughs) (laughs) Enough with the Justin Thomas. Why you got to write about Jordan so much? No one bitches about that. Right. But it's like, tiger, tiger, tiger. But like, yeah, guess what you're looking at, tiger? Yeah. Guess why the ratings are up. Anyway. You know what you don't do? You don't turn the TV off when Tiger comes on. <laughs> I don't think that's very common. Yeah. No <laughs> one is be like, yo, Justin Thomas is going crazy. Run home and turn off the TV. <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah. yeah. Um, dude, I want to thank you, man. I want to thank you for all you do for golf. Thanks, for, man. Uh, no, thanks for having me on, dude. Me. Um, I ain't do nothing for you. No, nah, you did. You don't know, but you did. You know? No, man. Well, I mean, because uh, you and I are a wolf pack. This no, is very true. <laughs> no, we are in mean, a wolf pack. You know, I think, you know, we we typically, I don't know, you know, we, we were... We came to say. golf different than everybody else. So yeah. we are not, we're not outliers because what what we have both found out in doing this, that there is a large community of people just like us who didn't have a voice. Yeah. And we got to give them a voice. Yeah. And it turns out that the old sticklers, not sometimes happy... To give our crowd a voice, but we right. are doing it anyway. Yeah. And, like, it's cool to know that there's somebody else that I relate to. And, like, man, we like kindred spirits. Yeah. So it's cool to know somebody else is like, yo, me and you, let's bring people. Yeah. 
You know, let's start a party and make people mad. <laughs> and Some what, people. And what's cool for me about this is like, I feel like you and I, we always see each other at events, but it's always like, we never get to hang. Yeah, I'm going here, I'm going there, I'm going there. I know. And then, you know, well, see, so that's because you get to go to cool parties all the time. Yeah, see, you say that, but I think you get to go to the cool parties. No, man. No, I don't go to the cool parties. Bruh. You're always like, I'm at this Puma party. I'm at this da party. We're Bruh, top, we're always, top golf. Hold up. You're always like, yo, meet me at such and such bar. <laughs> And it's like 12 velvet ropes to go through. Look, <laughs> you can only get through the fourth rope. You're not at yeah, that seventh so, rope level. So, Michael, I'll meet you on the fourth rope. Yeah. Um, tell him. It's tell funny him that we I perceive that. You. Oh, I just noticed your fucking hat box, bro. I got it. That hat. is how you travel with the flat. I got flat a hat bro. addiction. That is good. How many hats you got? You know? 175? 290? Keep going. No way. Where do they go? You, got, you just got a shelf for just the hats? No, man. Shelf wouldn't. A room. You got a hat closet? You got a hat house? I got, yeah. I got, I got hat problems. I love it. Just my master's hats. I took I took maybe three quarters. No, probably two thirds. I took like two thirds of my master's hats to the ESPN for a bit and set them out on a table and they couldn't all fit on the table. Well, so that's like and that 50. Was, that was just master's. No, it was like 70 something. Dang. And, I, I need all, to see and it's all different this. styles. Yeah. All different ones. Well, so I love I'm a hat dude, but now because I was a hat guy from when I was young and they had hair like yours. Now I'm a hat dude and I still get hats, but I have to wear fitted hats. Right. Because I can't wear the ones that are adjustable, or else I get that little stupid yeah, rising like- sun tan on the back of my head. Like, <laughs> I call like it a the, Japanese it's laying down D for dumbass for not wearing a fitted hat. Super Stewart sink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, watch out for that. Look like a snow cone. Luckily, you have a base layer of tan. Yeah, that's you got thank the base. Goodness. You Big got time. The, yeah. Although yeah. when I first shaved my head, I did not know how lime green it was gonna look. So wait, you said, but your parents were mixed. One, one is <coughs> my Irish dad's and black, my mom's white. Yeah. So what, raised by my your, mom. So your mom is Irish descent. Yeah, like Irish German. Did you ever Irish go back German there and try to find Italian. them? Nah. Is there a family to find? So next year for the Open, when we go to Ireland, that'll be my first time going to Ireland. Whoa. So I'm going to try and stay for an extra week there, too, to go. I know my name originates in Limerick and Cork, and I know the backstory of Michael Collins, the most famous Irish guy over there, which is really cool. And if, That's if awesome. If you don't know the backstory, then Liam Neeson did a movie called Michael Collins, which came out when I was doing stand-up comedy, and people thought I was performing at the movie theater, Hilarious. which is stupid. <laughs> like, no, this is actually a movie, so yeah. Yeah. And Michael Collins' name is on the moon. What? So who were the first two guys to walk on the moon? Alan Shepard. No. And what? what? No, what the fuck? Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. Who took him there? Uh, Michael, you did? Correct. Michael Collins? Michael Collins was, I call it the designated moon driver. <laughs> he flew him there and flew him back. Right. So Michael Collins, it's Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins. Dang. Yeah. That's the well, congratulations, word. You know what I'm saying? That's I actually got good. to meet him. Yeah? Yeah. He lives in Tampa, in the Tampa area when right. I was down there doing, when I was performing. So where can people find you? They're going to go on Instagram, ESPN Caddy. They're yeah, going to ESPN to... C-A-D-D-I-E. That's yeah. Instagram, Twitter. You can find, like, I got a Facebook page thing. You can yeah. check that out. And so, But, like, a podcast, Maddie and the Caddy, the podcast, yeah. that's big time. And you do, and uh, the you do a weekly stuff. call-in with uh, Pat Perez Yeah, Sirius, Sirius XM called Out of Bounds. Yeah. Every Tuesday night from 8 to 10 at night. We have it on at night because we get a little, again. A little rowdy. Let's just say. A little rowdy. Yeah, old school golf, not a fan of the show. Right, yeah, yeah. we don't roll like that. Yeah, a lot of t-shirts, a lot of high tops. A lot of cursing. Yeah, I, f- <laughs> I fucking love it. I fucking love it. See, 
I, I, I mean, even when I was doing stand-up comedy, my show was PG-13. Yeah. I could drop an F-bomb here every now and then. You don't feel the need to, though? Nah, see, my whole thing with growing up, like, my favorite, one of my favorite rappers, Eric B. and Rock M. So, Rock oh, yeah. M, he would, could be hardcore without having, and that was one of the things I learned, too. Like, it's easy to try and be hardcore dropping F-bombs. Totally. Can you be hardcore without it? It's much harder. That's like doing stand-up. Can it's you be harder. funny without cursing? Uh, uh, yeah. Well, you don't do stand-up, but I I'm don't. saying. I've dreamt about it, though. Really? I Dude, I want to do it. You got, Try, man. I see. I want to do it bad, but I don't know how I would do it. My thought is... I can help you. Really? Yeah. There's plenty of open mics, man. Five minutes. See, my thought is I would go up on stage and just talk and not give up on a joke. And just literally beat the joke until everyone laughs and then walk off. Like, make sure they're going to laugh. Yeah, but you're not going to tell one five-minute joke. No, but I think I would walk up and be like, hey, everybody, anybody's first night here? And then I'd be like, well, it's mine. And I don't know. It's, it's not, I, I'm going to work on this. Well, you got to have and more like, than no, literally, one joke. I've never done See, stand-up. here's what you... Un- How, is that funny? It's not that funny, is it? Yeah, that, that what actually, if you don't laugh for funny. the next five minutes? How embarrassing is that going to be for Welcome all of us? Welcome to the fear. No, but I mean, that, that's what I would say. I would, just talk about, I would just talk about how important it is that they laugh. That's hold on. Okay. It's a little. It's a little why don't weird. You, I tell you what. Why don't you let me help you develop this bit? You know what I mean? Because every bit has a starting point. You're right. just at the starting point. Yeah. You ain't hit the punchline yet. No, no. You think the starting point is the punchline, <laughs> and I'm trying to tell you, you don't have a punchline yet. But I'll get you there. Yeah. And I like the like the premise is great. Yeah. That is a funny premise. But the thing that people re- don't realize is how long five minutes is. Oh my god. People think, and it, and a lot of like here sitting us talking, five minutes goes by like that. Yeah, five minutes when you're standing by yourself on oh. stage and the microphone's there and a spotlight and everyone is looking at you waiting. Five minutes is an eternity. When yeah. I told my first joke, this is and this is how fa- this is what happens when you you get the fight the fight or flight experience totally. in comedy, and your Time slows down. So the first joke that I told, when I threw the punchline out there, in my head, nothing happened. And in my head, the little doubt guy who was on my shoulder went, see, I told you, you should have never did this because now your dream is gone. And everything you always were dreamed about, now you are going to have to face the fact that that's not happening. Like, this is all literally happening in my head at, after I hit the punchline. And as that's happening, like, you, the, I told you this was not the right thing to do. How stupid are you to think you could do this? I heard something that th- it sounded like thunder coming from far away. And there was a part of me that just paused. And that thunder then went, Pah! and that was the laughter of the crowd hitting. And it hit me like a punch. And it, it's still to this day, there is no drug. I mean, I've never really done hardcore drugs, but there's no drug and there's no alcohol that makes you feel like that. None. Nothing makes you feel like that. But in your head, that pause between the punchline hitting and any la- the laughter takes forever. And then once that laughter hits, you have to tell yourself, take a breath. Because you want to go, like you want to go crazy. <laughs> I got, I got planes out. Like, so, <laughs> like, feeling that was just, it was, there's nothing like it. So, the fact that you even want to try it says something, like, it, and you have to do it. Because even if you fail, even if you got up there and 
just talk for five minutes and just got huh. If you got what I call sympathy laugh, we'll be like, yeah. okay, good. Is he almost done? Please, <laughs> yeah. we gotta go. Yeah. That feels uncomfortable. Even going through that, when you walk off, then you will never have fear of speaking in any situation. One of the reasons that I truly believe that I'm a good interviewer is because, and we were talking about this earlier that you wanted to have on the podcast, was I learned there's a lot of people in media that are horrible listeners. Yeah. They're terrible listeners. Doing stand-up comedy and improv especially forces you to be a good listener. And it forces you to be in an uncomfortable situation where you not only have to listen, you have to think fast and react. Yeah. So when you do stand-up comedy, anytime you're interviewing or talking to somebody, you're never going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel like butterflies if it's a big interview, yeah. but you're not going to be uncomfortable because you're going to you're you're going to know that you're a good listener and you're going to can have the ability to go in any direction that the person you're interviewing takes you. And that comfort is a very secure feeling. Yeah. And it makes you excited then every time you get out there, but it also is addicting because it's like and that's what people that question, do I miss caddying? Yeah, but not nearly as much as I miss doing stand-up. Interesting. Because that stand-up is freedom. That's sharp. Yeah, it's like, It's freedom. Yeah. I don't have, I have eight bosses at ESPN. I got to know, when I get on stage, you know who I answer to? Me. That's it. Yeah. I can say whatever the hell I want to say. You don't even have to like it sometimes. You could be offended by some of the stuff that I would say. You know, I don't, I mean, that never was really my MO, right. but in theory, you could. You could, I could do a bit and you could be like, how dare you talk about something like that while everyone else is laughing, <laughs> which is cool, you know, and afterwards you're going to come up in the show and be like, oh, I wasn't real happy. I don't like the fact you talked about a retarded lion. Right. And that one I did a bit about, you yeah. know, back in the day, but because I'm the boss. I want to hear that bit. <laughs> I bet. You know? Yeah. I did a bit about that and like, oh, it was, yeah. But now, you don't have that same freedom yeah. in doing this. So that's, I miss that big time. And I miss that, that relationship that you build with a crowd, the intimacy of like these 500 people or a thousand people are literally hanging on my next word, my next sentence. So that kind of, and then afterwards, Having people, I mean, the biggest compliment I got doing stand-up comedy was when someone would come up to me and say, I was having a shitty week. Thank you for making it better. Like, making me forget about it for a little bit. I had, I did a bit about, like, like the retarded lion thing. I had, a, I never, I mean, it's still, like, I almost cried when the guy came up to me because he goes, I have a special, a special needs son. And I've never been able to laugh about anything even close to that genre. And you did a bit that made me laugh for the first time. And he got, he like, he cried and hugged me. And it was like, I was done. Cause it's like, that's why I do it. Like, that's to be able to have that kind of effect on someone and be, and mean something. It's, it means something. It, it's humbling. It's really humbling to know, like, what we, what we say and what we do matters to people. And so, like, words matter. They do. The words, words matter. See, and this, I didn't even know this, right? I didn't never heard that story. I didn't know you felt that way about that stuff. We talked a little bit about comedy being therapy, but 
that that is something I think about a lot. What you just said, which is basically, uh, yeah, it's not a job for me, kid. Right. It's my fucking life, and this is. Uh, <laughs> It's 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 uh, it's it's not passion barely even scrapes the surface no. of what that is. No, it's it's literally almost more like uh, we're on a mission from God. Right. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know if I believe in God, but I know that I believe I'm on some other mission that doesn't really exist in in the 24 hours of a day or in the digits in a paycheck or anything like that. You know, there's a bigger meaning to everything that we're doing, because if 15 years ago, I would have said we would end up right here together doing this. Never. No, that's what I'm saying. No. And who knows what's next? Exactly. And are you cool with being curious and open to that idea? Yeah. Hey, I wonder what's next. I don't know. I'll go with it. (laughs) Right? Because there are some people that won't. And that they just, they, they will get stuck. Yeah. You know? And I think that's kind of why we're kindred spirits in the fact that it's like, people are like, man, you're happy all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's plenty of bitter people out there that are are afraid of what if. Well, I believe happiness is a choice. Bruh. That's my mantra right there. Is it really? Yeah, man. That's what my grandfather taught me. My papa was like, every day you wake up. You get to decide whether or not you're happy. That's your decision. Nobody else gets to decide that for you. You can choose in any situation, even in sad situations, you can find a silver lining. You can choose to be, and it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be mad. It's okay, like it's okay to have emotions, but it's also okay to choose to be happy. Yeah. You know, and so it is. I'm, bro, I can't believe you said that because that's like, Seriously, it, happiness is a choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough sometimes. I, I find, I walk around sometimes, and, and one of my, um, I, I get I get confused around, uh, you know, a lot of people say, I'm lucky. I would agree, right? I feel pretty lucky. Yes. Um, you know what, though? Here's where we're lucky. We're lucky that we get put into situations and positions where we have an opportunity to shine and be ourselves. We're not lucky in the fact of what we've gotten to do. We're lucky in the fact that we were in the right place at the right time and had those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And had people that were willing to go, hey, come here for a minute. Let me see what you, how do you feel about, or how are you going to do, how would you? Or So that's, but that's also not accidental. It's not accidental that you're at that place at that time and have that moment. That's not an accident. Yes, it, it is kind of lucky. And what I've also learned is, like, you get opportunities. It's not a, you know, Eminem one shot. This is your one. Throw that spaghetti up on your shirt. <laughs> like, you know, sometimes if you're not where you're supposed to be, you'll end up there some way, somehow. And there's no way to get around that. So Interesting. It's, it's, it's lucky is a word that's used, but I don't believe... I don't believe that we get to the places that we are and and are being able to do what we're able to do because of luck. Even though I, I'll use the term and say that I'm the luckiest guy in the history of the world. I get paid. I get ESPN pays me to goof off with my friends. <laughs> and they're cool with it. And so am I. Like I get paid to go do here's here's your phone and a microphone. Go talk to these people, and if you want, and have fun doing it. Okay. Yeah. All right. You're gonna pay me to do it. Cool. On it. Yeah, I got it. 
Cool. <laughs> Don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> What's that? Hold up. Go walk around with Tiger Woods and then go on TV and talk about it? All right. Yeah. You're going to send me a check that's yeah. got a mouse on it? All right. That's a yes for me, dog. Yeah. So that's <laughs> like that's. But if again, it's not it's not luck that we've gotten here. Now, but what I'm saying is like I typically like I've had moments of like debilitating um, uh, reflection where I'm basically like, you know, there's a lot of other people that want to do this or that can have this. A lot of people listening to this right now that are yes. like, yo, what the fuck? There are a lot of what people is, that'll try to tear you down because they think they can take your spot. Well, I mean, that's where, I mean, no, why not? no, you can't. Because if you're willing to tear someone else down because you think you can replace them, then you already don't have the ability to do what they do. Okay. Because mentally you're somewhere now that your jealousy's of the wrong word, but your angst towards someone else is what is holding you back. Yeah. That you've already made your mind up that what if I'm no, I'm not willing to try it. So that when I see someone who was willing to try it and made it, I'm mad at them. Because you did they did what I couldn't or wouldn't do i didn't, wouldn't even say couldn't what i wouldn't do they took the chance that i wouldn't take and now that they're there if i can knock them down i can just step right in right. instead of going through the path to get there right so by knocking you down or trying to you know do a gotcha we're going to get him fired yeah. like all of those people that get try and get other people fired and whatnot so after after those people get fired when was the last time you ever heard anyone was like, well, you know, I was trolling so-and-so and, you know, I I got this job because I got so-and-so fired. It was awesome. Like, you don't hear that. Those same people now, after they realize they're not getting that spot, now they're looking for somebody else to troll because they're still mad. You're still mad. You're still in that same spot. Right. So I was, I was trolling. Yeah. Like, hey, man, congratulations. <laughs> Real excited you're here. Tell us how you feel. Well, you know, I was trolling. <laughs> So and so, and I called them. They said something that I caught on tape and got to put it out there. And so people took it the right way I was hoping. And so they got fired. And then I put my application in afterwards under a different name. Yo, check it out. Hey. And now they work at Target, and I'm working on TV, bitch. Always be trolling. Right? You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, the people that. The people that are the ones that are trying to knock you down because of that angst, they're never going to take that spot. Yeah. But in their mind, they they don't want to believe that. What they want to do is it's not fair to them. To them, where we say we're lucky, they say it's not fair. Yeah. I mean, I, I would actually, I don't get a lot of that, but I would say it's not fair. I would say it's unfair. Why is it unfair? Because what the fuck did I do? I don't. I don't like. Yeah, fine. I had one at bat. I got a single. <coughs> fine. I got. I got on second base. Somehow I scored. No, but no. Like, see, no, I, no, no. There's no somehow I scored. You didn't get a single. Number one, you got an at bat and you swung. You didn't stand there staring at pitches. But no. But even the fact that I got an at bat, I Correct. think that's where it comes into play. Because I think everyone deserves an at bat, but not yeah, everybody but gets one. Yeah, but if somebody went to you and said, "Hey, man, you want to come up and take a swing?" I'm saying yeah. You're so am I, but there are plenty of people that would have so much fear of failure that they would go, nah. Like I said with stand up comedy, when I threw that first joke out there, trust me, 
It took three months for my friends to convince me to go on stage. No shit. To do stand-up. Not because I didn't want to, but because I thought to myself, that's my dream. My dream was to be an entertainer and in stand-up comedy because my mom loved like Saturday Night Live and I wanted to be one of the guys like on Saturday Night Live, like Richard Pryor or George Carlin or Steve Martin, like all Jim Belushi, all those guys. I wanted to be like them. I wanted to make people laugh. I loved being in front of crowds. But if I got on stage as a comedian and bombed, I'm going to leave that stage and never go back on stage again. And my dream's gone. Now what? Now what? I don't even have a dream to kind of reach for or to even at least if I'm not going for my dream, at least I can sit back and be like, man, my dream was always to be a comedian. Yeah. And everyone would be like, man, you could do it. You're funny as heck. Yeah. You could try. You should go on stage. Blah blah. And I'll be like, yeah, man, people say that all the time. <laughs> but then 30 years from now, you look back and be kind of bitter and be like, man, I could have been a comedian. Maybe I never even tried. Yeah. But somebody pushed me hard enough. My friends were like, man, five minutes. What's, just go do five minutes. Terrifying. And then you went, you took your swing. And there's plenty of people. We're not. That's where it's not luck. The fact that when someone said you want to at bat, you say yes. That's not luck. That's not unfair. Because there's plenty of people that plenty of people get an opportunity. And some people, even when they're asked, they say nah. And I totally understand it. I totally understand it. Because, I mean, there was a part of me that was that way, too. It was like, nah, man, I don't, I can't, I'm scared to go after my dream because what if I don't get it? Right. But now, when I, I thought, and this is another thing, being curious and open to everything, is I thought comedy and acting, like, that was my thing, what I was supposed to do. Where if you would have told me, no, you're going to be in sports journalism. <laughs> you're going to work for ESPN. I'd have been like, yeah. right, okay. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same here. That's. I, I wanted to be like a photographer. See? Documentary filmmaker. And then all of a sudden it was like golf. Right. But the irony is golf is a back door. Yeah. So you're still getting to do that. Like yeah. you make amazing films. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, like your even your commercials are like films, <laughs> which is cool. That's what I'm saying. So like, and that's how it was for me. Like when I was doing stand up, I was living in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, going to Philly. You going know, I to told New you York. I lived there, right? I mowed lawns there. I went to in rehab Lancaster. in Reading. That's so funny, dude. Yeah. Which is funny because Reading. Is not a rehab spot, like no. But there's one good rehab there. Is I mean, there? It's great. I, don't, I mean, I it mean, worked. I don't for, know. It worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> that should be my new influencer work sponsorship. For me. Yeah, <laughs> go to Reading. Work for me. Not just a railroad in Monopoly. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, that's. Dude, you're inspiring, dude, man. I and I'm so glad Thanks, that uh, that you somehow got into golf. I'm so glad that you didn't that's walk that off that back stage. Door. Yeah. That's what. That's why I said yes to golf, because it was like doing stand-up comedy. I was learning. I didn't worry about the politics of comedy, and there's a lot of politics in comedy. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't matter if you're funny. If you don't have the right people yeah. kind of giving you that at bat, you might not even get a chance to swing. There are times you don't get a chance to swing. So when I got into golf, I was like, hey, you know what? No one's gone this way. So maybe I can sneak through a back door into TV through golf, and I did. Yeah, I found an opening. You and I are like the bad news bears for golf. I, I just realized it. Like literally, you could take you know how you know you know how you could take a golfer on the range, 
And in a silhouette, you could see, you you would know who it is. Correct. 99% of the time. My friend was saying, how do you know who those golfers are? I was like, I can tell by the walk. I can tell by their shoulders. Yeah, their walk. Exactly. Yeah. Bubba. Whatever. Free. Right. Easy. Yeah. But you know what's funny is if you took everybody in the media tent, like you and I would be the only one who would be like, oh, there they are. Yeah. There they are. That's true. That's pretty funny. That's All what that- I'm saying. You and I could not commit any crimes. <laughs> Because when something went missing or yeah. wrong, yeah. they'd be like, yo, all right, who was on? Oh, wait, Eric and Mike was there? Yep. <laughs> Bring them in, yo. The usual yeah. suspect. We are golf's usual suspects. Yeah. They don't have credentials for the clubhouse. Correct. What were they doing in here? Correct. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, and that's the thing. But like, you know, I, I wasn't 100% sure on some of the other people who walked through, but I saw Mike and Eric. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. those two dudes, <laughs> I I took notice of them knuckleheads. I'm just seeing, like, us <laughs> on a freeze frame of security cam footage. And we're both just, like, walking into the place, like, hey, not aware that we're being no targeted. No clue. No yeah. clue. I had a friend when I was a little kid. We used to go to the mall. Not little. When I was, like, 13, I would go to the mall with one of my friends. And I would walk around the store, like looking at cassette tapes and stuff like that. And then I would never have money to buy anything. So, but I would be going through stuff, checking who's new and whatnot. And we would leave and we would get to the bus. And this dude would have a coat full of stolen cassettes. And I'd be like, yo, you stole all of that? How would you, why would you do that? And he goes, because security followed you the whole time. <laughs> Nobody was looking at me. And I right. was like, number one, I could never have the nerve to even try and steal anything. Right. Because I would have a panic attack of guilt. Right. But this dude was like, stole everything because he was like, they were all following you. Right. I was big into shoplifting as a kid. Were you? I stole so much shit. Really? I, one time I stole like dude, $200 worth of steal CDs. Dude, I couldn't steal gun. I, gum. Gum. I couldn't steal I like, gum. I, did you say steal a gun? I couldn't steal gun. I was like, <laughs> different comedy shit. I couldn't steal gun because I would have to throw it in the river after <laughs> I was done. <laughs> <laughs> so and good. I would want to keep it to show so everybody. Good. I shot that mother. With- yeah, <laughs> you know, I was. Still, I, I would. I would like uh, fold my pants over at the bottom. I wear big baggy pants and just shove. Bro, Z Cavaricis when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. This you can put a, a whole another outfit on. You yeah. can go into a store and steal clothes. I got busted though, and it was like the guy comes to me. And he, All right, we're gonna end the podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you for. Uh, I think you're being a part of the show, Michael. No, man. Thanks for I'm doing this. We to gotta do more. it again. Yeah. This might be like the longest. This is probably the longest podcast ever. This is straight is, up. But you know what, though? I like that. Long form. That's one of the things that's lost in our industry. Yeah. Is everybody was like, I had this dude that used to work at ESPN. Making it longer. I know, right? <laughs> well, because I got to get this out there because I hate it. I hate the fact that when people are like, this dude was like, we're going to do something we call snackables. Oh, God. You know, we only want, they try to get me to do 30 second yeah. videos. People aren't getting dumber. They're just getting a little busier. And that's a lie. What do you mean? It's a lie. Well, it's, I mean, it's a lie. The fact that people won't take more than thirty seconds. I agree. As like, you know what? We train our audience. Yeah, we can train people. So it's like, if people know that something's going to be two hours long, how can you? If you can sit through a two and a half hour movie, and be entertained and enjoy it, yeah. Don't tell me that you can only watch a thirty second video, no. like because it's online. Nah, if, if it's good and it's entertaining and you get something out of it, then you know what? Stay and hang. Yeah. You know, and if you mad at part of it and stuff, then come back. Text Michael. Yeah, you know Text what I mean? Him. WWW, like, I didn't get my shot, mother. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so unfair, bitch. Amazing. <laughs> All right, we're Thanks, out, everybody. Thanks Thank for listening. You.